Today on the Everything 80s podcast, an interview with Brad Gilmore, author of Back from the Future. 88 miles Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. And Back to the Future, my favorite movie, many people's favorite movie. And that leads me to my guest today, Brad Gilmore, who just put out this amazing book called Back from the Future, a celebration of the greatest time travel story ever told. So you need to definitely get this book and you can find it wherever you find books. So whether that's Amazon or wherever. So Back from the Future by author Brad Gilmore. So this book's got a ton of stuff as far as like, um, you know, a lot of unheard details and a lot of trivia. And it's got, uh, you know, the complete timelines of all the main characters of the movie. And then it's got, you know, in-depth studies of, all the different fan theories regarding back to the future. And then it looks at the comparison of, you know, the film's predictions of what the future, you know, look like and what it was predicted to be compared to what it actually is today. Basically, if you even remotely like back to the future, you'll love this book. And it was a number one bestseller in movies, guides and reviews categories. So definitely check this out. And again, anywhere where you find your books. So, This is an interview, I'm using air quotes, just because due to, you know, pandemic related issues where I would normally record uh, an interview using the different um, software and everything I'd use from uh, the usual studio isn't as available right now. So what Brad did, which was amazing of him, I sent a bunch of the questions I had just about, you know, Back to the Future and the book itself and everything like that. So Brad was um, good enough to audio record the answers so it'll be me you know we'll I'll talk about the questions and what I want to look at and then it will go to the clips of Brad's audio so let me give you a quick bio on Brad and if you listen to other podcasts and specifically talk is Jericho with Chris Jericho fellow Canadian you just heard Brad on the show as they were talking about Back to the Future and the 35th anniversary and awesome episode so with Brad himself he's a radio and television host born and raised in Houston Texas so since 2011 he's been the host of the Brad Gilmore show which he he covers all sorts of things sports music pop culture Uh, He's big into wrestling, and he currently hosts the Hall of Fame with, if you know, uh, Booker T, WWE Hall of Famer, and that's on ESPN Radio. Brad began his career covering music and worked as a regular contributor to the Houston Press. He hosts a variety of TV shows and podcasts, including reality wrestling, movie trivia, Schmodown, Schmodown Rundown, Heated Conversations. That was featured in the iTunes Top 10 podcast chart, Your Opinion Doesn't Matter. And since 2015, which you'll talk about, Back to the Future, the podcast, which is amazing. He's had all the best guests on there from like Claudia Wells, Crispin Glover, um, has millions of downloads. So he's, you know, knows his stuff. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, let's get to it. So the first question I had for Brad was about the book itself. Just curious as far as where the idea came from and sort of the impetus of the whole thing, how it evolved to the point it is published out there and, you know, hit number one. Well, it it actually started ironically in the year 2015. I um, was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and I was listening to this Seinfeld podcast called Seincast and 
I was listening to it and I loved it because I'm such a big Seinfeld fan. And I was like, man, I wish there was a Back to the Future podcast like this. There must be. So I went to the Apple podcast store, tried to find a Back to the Future podcast, couldn't find it. And I was like, wow, there isn't a Back to the Future podcast. And I was like, man, that kind of sucks. And I was doing a radio at the time. And I said, wait a minute, I could do the Back to the Future podcast. And so that's when I started the show, the Back to the Future podcast. And I reached out to a few people like Claudia Wells, who played Jennifer Parker, uh, Jeffrey Weissman, who was the replacement for Crispin Glover in Back to the Future Part 2 and 3. And I was really excited to talk to them. And they, they reached out and I had them on the show. So that kind of started the ball rolling. And then a friend of mine, Ken Knapsack, whose uh, quote is on the front cover of the book, he um, reached out to me. I mean, I, I, he published a book. I'm sorry. He published a book called Why We Love Star Wars. And so I started talking to him. I'm like, man, how, how was that? Who did you work with? And he'd tell me about this publishing house. So I talked to the publishing house, and I kicked around not only an idea about Back to the Future. I, I kicked around the idea of doing a wrestling book because I worked in pro wrestling now for almost a decade, eight years, with Booker T, the WWE Hall of Famer. And so we pitched a couple ideas. I, I had, you know, I had this wrestling idea book, and then I got this one for Back to the Future. And he was like, oh, a Back to the Future book. Write up a pitch for that. So I wrote a pitch. I sent it off to them. And boom, next thing you know, they said, let's write the book. And I wrote, started writing the book in June of 19. I turned in the manuscript in, either, it was either late December or early January 2020 or 2019. I can't remember exactly. And there it was. It was published in April, number one bestseller. So my next question was about Back to the Future itself. And I'm assuming because you're listening to this podcast, which is about the 80s and this specific episode, you have at least a passing interest in Back to the Future. And if not, just wildly obsessed with it, like, you know, most of us are. And the question I had for Brad was from, you know, from his perspective, what makes this movie so timeless and why is it held up so well over the years if not gotten better over time that's a great question it's something i've thought a lot about and i think it's because it's so generational everybody has thought about bob gale's initial thought when he found a yearbook in his parents attic and he saw that his dad was class president and said man i remember the president of my graduating class i would have never had anything to do with him and my dad was the class president i didn't know that and they started thinking, I wonder if I'd have been friends with my dad if we went to high school together. And that was the genesis of the idea for Back to the Future. And I think that's why it's always gotten better with age, as you say, because as time goes on, you start thinking more about your family and the relationships you have with your family. And man, oh, wait, what if I could go back to the third grade and ask that girl out? Or what, or, you know, ninth grade and ask that girl out? Or what if I could go back and you know punch that guy in the face that was always an a-hole to me. You start thinking about these things and they really resonate with you and you start thinking, man, you know, what if my parent how were my parents when they were my age? What did they go through? What struggles did they have? So it's this generational experience and then you throw in the element of this fantastical story of a doctor inventing a time machine and it's just it's just one of those things that the the familial connections, the generational aspects of the film and then there's just the badassness of that DeLorean time machine and being able to travel back and forth through time. It's, it's always going to be a relevant film. I love that answer. And I think, at, like again, as you get older, 
every time you watch Back to the Future, you come at it with a new perspective and new experiences and you take something, you know, more away from it each time. And it's just like, you know, I, I watched it maybe two or three days ago. Not that I don't watch it all the time. And this this time I was watching it, I was trying to picture myself being in the audience when it first happened. And because I never got to see it in theaters. The first one, I only saw Back to the Future 2 in theaters. And I was trying to picture myself like being in the audience and seeing it for the first time and the reactions. And it, cho- it totally changed the experience and the viewing experience for me. And it's just, there's always something new you can find in this movie. So the next question I had, I, I just did an episode about 21 uh, things you probably didn't catch in Back to the Future, a lot of hidden things. So I was asking, asking Brad, what is your, you know, some of your favorite uh, behind the scenes or, you know, sort of fun facts from Back to the Future? I told this story on the Chris Jericho podcast that I did, but the the story that, that is told about Sid Sheinberg, who was a producer or, or a studio executive, excuse me, he uh, said the perfect title for this movie is not Back to the Future. Back to the Future, that doesn't make any sense. How can you go back to the future? That doesn't make any sense. He said the perfect name for this movie was based off the comic book that Old Man Peabody's son had, Sherman Peabody, and it was Spaceman from Pluto. Actually, his comic was Space Zombies from Pluto, but the uh, perfect title for this movie would be Spaceman from Pluto. And uh, Steven Spielberg wrote him a note back, think, said, oh, Sid, thanks for sending that over. It's been a hectic production. That was such a great laugh. We really need to start our morning off like that. Thank you so much. And I just love that comp- that, that, that was going to be the title of the movie, Spaceman from Pluto. Insane. Um, aside from that, there's all kinds of things that you can go into, especially the Easter eggs of the movies when you look into it. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that, but that Spaceman from Pluto is just hilarious to me. So my next question is how Brad ranks all three of these movies. Because, you know, this is something like always changes and, and I sort of address that in the question that you know you can go back and forth with the way you order it sometimes you know the first one is always the best to you sometimes you know the third one might at, at the at this moment for myself my favorite my order goes back to future two then one then three and of course that'll change again over time but just that this moment that's the way I rank them so that was my next question how he would rank the trilogy as a kid my favorite one was back to the future three I really love Back to the Future 3. I don't know if that's because I'm from Texas and we grow up with Westerns and there's some kind of connection there, but I love Back to the Future 3. But if I were to rank them, I think that the order in which they were released is probably the best ranking. Sometimes I put three above two. Sometimes I put two above one. But right now, if you were to ask me, it's Back to the Future 1 because it's a perfect film. You can never, ever... Um, say that there's a flaw in Back to the Future Part 1. And then Back to the Future 2 and 3, they're almost the same movie to me. It reminds me of Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. If you watch them back to back, it's like one long perfect movie. And that's what I think of Back to the Future 2 and 3. They're almost one long film. But 2, just for the inventiveness of seeing the future that wasn't just a dystopian future. And then going back to an alternate 1985 and then you got to go back into the first movie to fix all the issues and then Doc gets struck by lightning. It was just a sequence of events that continued on and kept you engaged. That's why I like that one. 
and I, again, Back to the Future 3, the Western elements of it, and it being most similar to Back to the Future 1 of Marty and Doc are stuck in the past without a clear way to get back to the future. So that's why I really love, I love all three of them, but that's my ranking right now. I wanted to ask Brad, you know, the, the thorny subject of will there ever be a sequel or a reboot or mainly should there be? And it was something, you know, a lot of hardcore Back to the Future fans, including myself, were just adamant on like this movie should never be touched again. Like it has to be left alone. Even like Robert Zemeckis has said that. But it's starting to, the idea of it is starting to sit a little bit better with me. And for a few reasons, I think one of the big ones is uh, if you've seen those videos floating around where they've inserted Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr. as Marty and Doc and how seamless that almost seemed. And especially the fact like Tom Holland is almost this dead ringer for Michael J. Fox and not just Michael J. Fox, but for Marty McFly. And he's said to take a lot of influence for the character of Peter Parker in the Spider-Man Avengers movies based on the character of Marty McFly. So now I'm like seeing that it's this, you know, doesn't seem that crazy. And the idea of, you know, maybe if he's not, you know, directly a sequel or whatever, maybe that Tom Holland is playing Marty Jr. from 2015. And the fact there is, you know, Doc built a second time machine that Marty didn't know about and, and the possibilities that that lends itself to. The other reason um, too is it's been delayed, but the Ghostbusters Afterlife that was supposed to be out this summer, which is delayed till 2021, it, it looks like it's capturing that whole, um, you know, sort of tribute to the movie and um, respecting it in that way. Of course, we haven't seen it yet, but, you know, the one with with Paul Rudd and and we're looking at the grandchildren of the original Ghostbusters. So like this, this whole idea, it's like, yeah, maybe it can work. So just uh, this is Brad's uh, response to that. Um, is it possible? I guess anything is possible. Is it likely as long as Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale are around, I don't see it happening. But there's so much money in a Back to the Future property and everything else under the sun has been rebooted. So I wouldn't be shocked if eventually it does happen. Now, I'm open to it. You mentioned Ghostbusters. When I saw the, the all-female Ghostbusters movie, Answer the Call, I think is what it's been subsequently subtitled. I didn't love it by any stretch of the imagination. I actually didn't like it. I thought it was kind of silly and not in a good way but i went home and i watched the original ghostbusters and realized my love for that movie didn't change at all so for a new back to the future if they make a new back to the future movie and it's awesome holy hell i got new back to the future that's great scott that's awesome right but if i um if if they make it and it sucks well i never have to watch it again and I'll still love those first three movies. So I'm not rooting for it, but I'm open to it. That is a good point there. Just the how valuable this property is and the fact that the longer that time goes, the more potential revenue could be tied up in anything related to Back to the Future. I mean, I feel like theaters would explode um, if any form of sequel or reboot or whatever comes out. And I would, of course, go to see it. And it's a good point he makes. At the very worst, if it was the worst thing ever, at the very worst, it would make me appreciate the original movies even more so. And I feel like the people who are involved in a lot of, you know, more or less now with these films, again, looking back at 
Ghostbusters Afterlife now that we've seen it yet, but there seems to be more care and love involved because they grew up with these movies and they don't want to do it any disservice. But, you know, productions can go off the rails, so who knows how what it would turn into. But just, yeah, the, the value in that franchise. I mean, they could put, it could be a two hour blank screen that you're just sitting there seeing nothing. But if there's back to the future associated with it, people would absolutely flock. So next question for Brad is just about, you know, maybe possible future editions of the book or, um, you know, spinoff variations of it or what he has plans in regards to that. I've got ideas for other books. Um, I mentioned James Bond a minute ago. I remember Daniel Craig did Spectre. He, they announced it, filmed it and released it all in the same year. January, I think they announced it. November, it came out. An 11-month process. And they asked him, would you ever do another James Bond? And he said, I'd rather smash the glass in front of me on this table and slip my wrist than to ever do another James Bond movie. And that was just him talking about the frustrations and the the agony of this schedule that he had to keep up to do this Bond movie in one year. And then we see he's going to be coming out with No Time to Die here, hopefully by the end of the year, maybe next year. So he came around to it. I, like Daniel Craig, thought I would never want to write a book again. And then it was three months probably later. I was like, you know, I got an idea for a book. <laughs> so I, 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 would, I wouldn't be shocked if I commit myself to another project. Whether that's going to be Back to the Future related or some other film franchise or even wrestling for that matter, I don't know at this point. But I, I, I would like to do more on Back to the Future maybe in another five years. Um, maybe release a, a second edition of the book that's a little bit got a little bit more in it. But um, as for now, there's no, no more Back to the Future plans. So next question is just about where you can find Brad online, where you can follow him, all that good stuff. Find me on all social media at Brad Gilmore, Twitter, Instagram. That's pretty much where I am mostly. Twitter is where I spend most of my time. Check out my YouTube channels, Reality of Wrestling with Booker T. We have a podcast called The Hall of Fame. It's also on ESPN Radio in Houston. Check out Back to the Future, the podcast. And uh, check out the movie Trivia Schmodown, which I'm a big member of, which Chris Jericho is going to take on Kevin Smith in an upcoming match. So definitely check that out. So I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp on Back to the Future as far as, you know, how things evolved over the course of the production. And we all know things like, you know, Eric Stoltz started as the original Marty McFly and they were pretty much almost done filming when they realized they just his he just didn't have the comedic sort of sensibilities they were looking for. And, you know, having to scrap the whole thing and then start over with Michael J. Fox and then just other things like. Um, Melora Hardin, aka Jan Levinson Gould from The Office, was the original Jennifer, but then there was a height discrepancy between her and now Michael J. Fox, who's coming in, who was a lot shorter than Stoltz, and now that brought in Claudia Wells, and you know all these things. And then the other day, I learned this thing I I had never known in one of the, in the original scripts or one of the original drafts. Marty at the end at the dance was going to play Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets instead of Johnny B. Good. And it obviously ended up being Johnny B. Good. But that's an interesting scenario and one that I could see, you know, possibly work based on that song. And again, the, the connection with the clock and with time and everything like that. So this just my last question. If anything that was, you know, presented in earlier drafts or ideas that seem interesting that he maybe wanted to see in the final film that never ended up on film. 
No, there's nothing that they included in the scripts that I wanted in the final version because all the changes they made were right. It was Professor Brown instead of Doc Brown. That They made the right choice. In the script, it was the springtime in Paris dance as opposed to the enchantment under the sea dance. Great choice. It was Spaceman from Pluto and, <laughs> and Back to the Future. So I don't think there's anything that they left in the original scripts that I wanted in there. However, I do... Um, have a chapter in the book called American Time Story, Old Man Biff. And what that's about is about a deleted scene in Back to the Future 2 that I thought was paramount to being left in the film, and they actually cut it. So that is definitely one that I wish they had left in the movie. Okay, back to me. I want to thank Brad so much for doing this and some awesome insights into the movie and you know his takes on it as well as you know, everything to do with Back from the Future, the book. So that'll be it for me. Again, pl- yeah, please check that book out. Get it wherever you find your books. Follow Brad everywhere he is online. He's doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. But I appreciate you spending the time to check out this podcast. I know there's a ton of podcasts out there. So the fact that you're here listening means a lot to me. But I will be back very soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.